Bonjour, agus chiadiv. Welcome to the Irish in Canada, the podcast exploring the histories and legacies of Irish immigrants and their Canadian descendants. I'm your host, Jane McGaughy. This is episode number eight, The Gender, Migration and Madness Project. A word of warning, the following episode involves explicit sexual material and descriptions of mental illness that some listeners may find disturbing. Last time on The Irish in Canada, we explored the crimes and depravity of the Shiners, Peter Allen's gang of Irish Catholic lumberjacks who ruled Bytown in the 1830s. Today, we're going to talk about something that might be equally surprising or even shocking, depending upon how much you know about medicine in the 19th century. Let me tell you a story. On the 1st of June, 1869, an Irish Catholic man, John Murphy, was brought to the Rockwood Asylum for the Criminally Insane in Kingston, Ontario, from his brother's farm near Peterborough. John was 30 years old and worked on the farm, but had become increasingly disturbed over several years. He was arrested for trying to kill his sister-in-law with a knife and for stabbing his brother with a pitchfork. After being admitted to the asylum, the doctors decided that the cause of his homicidal mania was masturbation. John's medical file notes that he was very dirty in his habits as well as indolent, but after 14 years at the asylum, he had become quiet, harmless, and a good worker. Then things changed again. On December 9, 1883, John Murphy escaped from the asylum. A careful search failed to discover the slightest trace of him. The next day, on December 10th, he was found in the asylum hayloft, covered with straw. Quote, He was in a very weak state from loss of blood. An examination of his person revealed the fact that he had attempted to cut off his penis with a dull chisel made from hoop iron. Fortunately for him, his rude instrument would not cut well, and the wound made, although wide and serious, did not extend into the corpus, end quote. John Murphy's body may have recovered from this trauma, but his mind did not. His medical status remained unimproved mentally for the next seven years, until, in October of 1890, he was transferred to the Asylum for the Insane in London, Ontario, as an incurable. John Murphy was one of thousands of Irish-born patients confined in one of the three major lunatic asylums in colonial Canada between 1841 and 1870. The Beauport Asylum outside of Quebec City, the Rockwood Asylum for the Criminally Insane in Kingston, and the Provincial Lunatic Asylum in Toronto. For the past few years, I have been leading the Gender, Migration, and Madness Research Project, a team of professors and graduate students who are exploring Irish men and women in these three asylums and how themes like gender, sexuality, class, and Irishness affected why people saw them as mad. In this episode, I want to spend a bit of time introducing you to the project and highlighting a few of these Irish immigrants to Canada who have never made it into any history textbook. As we've seen before, the 19th century was a time when negative stereotypes about being Irish flourished in the United Kingdom, America, and throughout the British Empire. Among the many prejudices 
were ideas that the Irish were hypersexual and also that they were more prone to insanity than other people. The words lunatic and lunacy are, of course, derived from the Latin luna, the moon, and the ancient belief that its different phases affected the mad. The Irish immigrants and refugees who came to Canada between the 1830s and the 1860s were crossing the Atlantic at a time when they were more likely to suffer from illness. Cholera and typhus epidemics were linked to the Irish, as we saw in our episode on Grosil, but tuberculosis was also rampant and deadly. They were more likely to face economic hardship on their arrival, and they were more likely to encounter negative stereotypes that had nothing to do with who they were as individuals, but which were found everywhere in the Atlantic world. The slurs included that the Irish were lazy, dirty, oversexed, rebellious, violent, drunk, infantile, overly emotional, and a problem wherever they went. You can see this in the way that some of the patients at the Rockwood Asylum were described. Bridget Costello was recorded as being dangerous, violent, indecent, lazy, dirty, and filthy. She was one of many patients, male and female, who were restrained at the asylum in the strong cells, the area in the institution's basement with chains, straitjackets, solitary confinement, and all of the horrific images that culture has given us of Victorian-era asylums. After all, Bedlam was a real place. The Provincial Lunatic Asylum in Toronto was the first of its kind in Canada. Between 1841 and 1868, 40% of its admissions were Irish immigrants. Nearly 20% of these Irish patients received gendered or sexualized diagnoses. Reasons for their alleged madness included jealousy, childbirth complications, disease of the womb, puerperal fever, masturbation, disappointment in love or marriage, silliness, a sexual existence, excited sexual feelings, miscarriages, eroticism, and that very helpful euphemism, female trouble. These cases in Toronto can give us a sense of how colonial mental institutions were used by Irish immigrant families, in some cases for many years at a time. Look at this next case. Frances was a young Catholic woman from County Armagh. She likely arrived in Canada between 1845 and 1847, and then married Alexander Nadeau, a shoemaker from Lower Canada. They settled in Niagara and then relocated to Toronto. Between 1857 and 1868, Frances was admitted eight times to the Provincial Lunatic Asylum. Seven of these confinements were directly related to pregnancy. Frances suffered from peripheral mania brought on by childbirth, lactation, and a prolapsed uterus. From her first stay onwards, her file noted that she was mischievous and talkative. By her fourth return to the asylum, she was seen as violent and dangerous. Each time, she was discharged after three to five months. By cross-referencing with Canadian census records, we can get a better picture of why Frances might have been labeled as mad. The 1861 census tells us that Francis and Alexander had five living sons, ranging in age from 15 to 6. But her asylum admission papers in 1862 stated that she had five children living and five dead, 
By 1867, Francis had given birth 13 times, with seven living children and six dead. For the Nadeau family, the provincial asylum provided much-needed support in the initial months after each of Francis's later pregnancies, when she likely suffered from what we now call postpartum psychosis. Their case was not uncommon. Of the 177 Irish female admissions with sexualized or gender diagnoses, 31% were directly related to pregnancy, childbirth, and postpartum complications. If we broaden the criteria to anything related to a woman's reproductive cycle, like complications from periods or menopause, that number rises to 43%. There were also emotional reasons why Irish women were put into the asylum. Lascivious habits, seduction, jealousy, disappointment in love or marriage, exalted sexual feelings, and one memorable notation of, quote, having married an old man. 27% of Irish female patients at the Provincial Lunatic Asylum had some kind of emotional cause listed in their case files, alongside physical symptoms connected to their reproductive cycle. Female troubles were very prevalent for Irish women in Canadian asylums in the mid-19th century. In future episodes of the podcast, I'll continue to highlight some of the findings of the Gender, Migration, and Madness Project, including the new research we're starting on immigrant mothers arriving during the cholera outbreaks of the 19th century. But next week, we'll be looking at a different kind of female trouble that happened in Montreal at the end of the 1870s, the infamous murder that caused Mary Gallagher to become the ghost of Griffintown. Thanks for listening to The Irish in Canada. The show was researched, written, and narrated by me, Jane McGaughy. This season was edited and mixed by Patrick McMaster and produced by Marion Mulvena. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kate Bevan Baker, and our logo was designed by Claire McCauley. Many thanks to the School of Irish Studies at Concordia University in Montreal, the Canadian Irish Studies Foundation, Le Gouvernement de Québec, and the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada for their support. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favourite podcast app. You can spread the word about the Irish in Canada by following us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Irish Canada Pod. Our website is the Irish in Canada Podcast.ca. That's where you can find show notes for our episodes, including lists of sources and recommendations for further reading. Until next time, Gora Maogiv.